Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. We are continuing our gospel readings in Luke's gospel, and we just keep going. We haven't skipped a verse in a long time. Tonight, we're moving into Luke chapter 5 in our worship series called Deep Water, the contemplation of our baptisms. And this is the story. This is the one from which our series takes its title, Deep Water, Luke 5, 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word, the logos, the logic of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, okay, listen, master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so that they both began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. The way Luke heard it, the night shift was just ending. The boys on the boats were bleary-eyed and badly in need of breakfast, but they knew better than to leave their nets unrinsed, tangled, moldering on the soggy sand. So they scrubbed and sang and salivated for soft-boiled eggs and soft, warm sleep. But it was a noisy, busy morning on the shore. An aspiring rabbi, they heard, a carpenter's apprentice from a couple towns away, stirring up a little crowd. His voice was hoarse from shouting. He looked kind of stressed already, and his day was just starting. Simon could only hear scraps of sentences across the sand. Reign of God, least of these, blessed art thou. So he bent back to his task at hand, nets, boats, then breakfast, then bed. 
A few minutes later, the rabbi carpenter's shadow fell over Simon's net. Can you take me a little ways out on the lake, he asked. I think my voice will carry over the water, and I won't have to shout so much. It's awfully hard to share good news by shouting. Oh, and good morning. My name is Jesus. What's yours? Simon let out a little sigh and squinted up at the man whose coffee-colored face wore the warmest smile Simon had seen in a long time. His stomach growled. Sure we can, he said. Just help me get these nets back on the boat. The way he would tell it later, nothing about that morning made any sense. He should have said no. Or he should have negotiated a price for the trouble. When the landlubber with the carpentry calloused hands told him to go fish over there in the deep water, he should have laughed out loud. When the guy opened his smiling mouth to tell the crowd on the shore that all of God's dreams were coming true right here, right now, Simon should have shoved him overboard. And when they got back to shore and the man from Nazareth started walking, Simon should have let him stroll right out of his life, should have taken that incredible catch to the market and gone home to his wife with the money but he didn't. He never really could explain why, why he left it all, left it where it fell when he opened his hands, took off running to catch up with the stranger who suddenly, weirdly, felt like a friend. Tell him I'll be home soon, he shouted over his shoulder, which is when he realized that James and John, his business partners, were running after him. And Andrew, too, his little brother, bringing up the rear as usual. We're going to catch hell for this, Simon said, as they caught up to the carpenter and matched his stride. Nah, said Jesus, you're going to catch people. I'm going to show you how. In days to come, Simon and all the rest of the women and men who left hearth and home to follow him around the countryside would indeed learn all that Jesus had to teach them how to find the neediest, loneliest, least loved people in every little village, how to soothe leprous skin and sin-sick souls, how to shout down demons, how to get to checkmate against the VRPs, the very religious persons, by answering their questions with better questions of one's own, how to see a snotty, soggy child as a reflection of God's own vulnerability. How to put broken bodies and broken families back together. How to ask for supper from strangers. How to sleep under the stars and glean wheat from the fields when there was no hospitality to be had. And most importantly, how to invite people to understand something brand new about the same old world that God was breaking in, shaking up the sameness, rattling the cage, that God was right here, right now, cooking up a redemption song that would loose every bond and free every soul for love and life abundant. It's what we've been waiting for, what our parents and grandparents waited for, Simon learned to say.
The long wait of generations past is over. The Messiah has come. God's light is shining through the scrim of sameness. And now that you've seen it, you'll never be the same. Nothing will ever be the same. But here's the thing he did that never ceased to amaze me, Simon would say on the sermon circuit of the early church. He was always and unapologetically calling people into the deep water. You've spent your life scooping from the surface, he would say. Put out in the deep and let down your nets. Let's see what's down there where it's cold and murky. I'll help you pull it up and we'll deal with it together. You know the one about the woman he met by that well in Samaria, right? About how she tried to pick an argument with him about the rightful place to say one's prayers and instead he confronted her with the truth of her loneliness went right to the source of her deepest pain. And you remember that man who couldn't walk and couldn't work? This one was the one in Capernaum the day the house was so crowded. And when the guy landed at Jesus' feet after his friends dug a hole in the roof, Jesus took one look at that dude and knew that what he needed more than anything else was a clean slate. Permission to try again? Your sins are forgiven, he said. And then he picked a fight with the VRP standing in the back, shaking their heads because he knew how they thought, could see all the way down to the ledger of sin and repayment that they kept in the deepest recesses of their cold hearts. <laughs> that the man walked home on his own two legs was almost beside the point. And what about the time he wouldn't let that one guy come with us? The one formerly held captive by at least a legion of claws choking off his own spirit, his body chained in a cemetery. Remember how he sent him home instead? To reconnect with his family, his neighbors, including the ones he had terrorized by his out-of-controlness, including the ones who had terrorized him with their chains and expulsion. And don't forget the super rich dude who had nothing better to do than keep all the commandments every day, who asked what he could do for, you know, extra credit, and Jesus told him that his possessions were his poison, and he'd have to purge it all and bless the poor before he could come on board this boat. And the powerful man who came to him under the cover of night hoping not to be seen but Jesus knew his name and everything about him, saw right through him, and told him the only way this was going to work is if he started completely over without a credential or a kudo to his name, born again like a newborn baby, naked and nameless and utterly needy. And can't you just see the woman who was perpetually nidah? unclean from her constant bleeding, who could not bear the embarrassment of asking another man for help, whom he stopped to call out and congratulate for her faith, whom he called daughter in front of all her neighbors, 
little daughter with such tenderness that though she had crawled up from behind to touch him, she practically levitated home to her babies, now 12 years older than the last time she had touched them. (laughs) Even his parties were in the deep water, splashing and swimming with sex workers and sinners, tax collectors and terrorists, asking every one of them to dive with him beneath the surface, to kick past the point that the pressure was unbearable. Come to the deep water, he would say. Cast your nets in deep water, he would urge. I'll meet you down there, he would promise. And some would. And some would not. Thalassophobia, the persistent and intense fear of deep bodies of water. Thalassophobia, the persistent and intense fear that something is down there or that everything is down there that someone will see right through the lightless fathoms, down through the serene surface to the churning currents in the Marianas Trench of your own spirit. The worst thing that's ever happened to you, the worst thing you've ever done, the worst thing you want, the worst thing you fear you'll never have, thalassophobia, Simon, still on the boat, the deck now slippery with fish, the nets ripping, the vessel listing in the water from the weight of it all. Simon, folding himself into the smallest shape an adult person can be, crying into the carpenter's knees, begging him to go away, go away, leave him be, leave him be. I am a broken man, he sobs. I know you can see it. I'll be loud when I should be quiet. I'll stay silent when I should speak up. I'll be 100% wrong more than 50% of the time. You know what you get if you get me, Lord. We've been to the deep water. Get away from me while you can, if you know what's good for you. And Jesus says, Yeah, no. Get on up, Simon, who I'm probably going to call Peter from now on, maybe because you sink like a rock in the deep water. But the deep water is where we do our best work from now on. See, that's where we find out what people really need and how we can really help. We're not going to send them down there alone, though. We go with them all the way. It's not going to be easy, but I can show you how. What if the baptized life is a deep water life, an examined life, a truth-telling life where needs and hungers and shortcomings and shame are fished up from the bottom, hauled onto the deck, so heavy, so very heavy that the nets and the boat themselves are threatened? What if the baptized life is a sailor that cries back to the shore for help, the brother partners making their way to the deep water as fast as they can raise their sails? 
What if the baptized life is a boat that struggles to the shore under the weight of all it has dredged up, disgorging its awful, miraculous catch onto the sand? What if the baptized life is enduring the little crowd that gathers to gape at the catastrophe of it all, the torn nets, the broken boats, the writhing, gasping, dying fish? What if the baptized life is running after the carpenter who walks on his back to the sea saying, leave it. You don't need any of that stuff anymore. Come with me and let's do that for other people as many times as we can before they kill us. But don't be afraid. Thalassophobia has no place here. What if the baptized life is picking yourself up off the bottom, pushing off with your feet from the rough rocks down there, shooting toward the sunlight on the surface, seeing him see you, feeling his carpenter calloused hand reach over the side to pull you out and up, feeling yourself breathe and breathe and breathe in his embrace your own gasping spirit filling up with his spirit until you breathe in and out, nothing but that from the very bottom of your lungs today and for the rest of your life forever. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal, or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps, and if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.